Tonight I would like to read to you a translation of a very old Zen text. Bodhidharma, Dharuma, who came from India to China, is the so-declared founder of the Chinese Zen school. He is regarded to be the first ancestor of that Chinese Zen. In the past, we used to use the word patriarch, but of course patriarch is only male. And there were plenty of very important ancestors who were not male. Ancestor seems to be a more inclusive way of calling all these people who came before us. So the third ancestor in Japanese is named Sosan Ganchi Zenji. And he wrote Shinjin Mei, which is translated as unbelieving in mind. I always found this text to be profoundly engaging and also revealing, having the essentials of what Zen practice is right in those few paragraphs. Of course, it's translated from Chinese into Japanese. It's translated then from there into English. And whenever words come in, there might be misunderstandings. So I will read it to you. And if there is some time, I might also give you some brief comments on it. But let's hear what the third ancestor Sosan Ganchi had to say. The perfect way knows no difficulties, except that it refuses to make preferences. Only when freed from hate and love, it reveals itself fully and without disguise. A tenth of an inch's difference, and heaven and earth are set apart. If you wish to see it before your own eyes, have no fixed thoughts either for or against it. To set up what you like against what you dislike, this is the disease of the mind. When the deep meaning of the way is not understood, peace of mind is disturbed to no purpose. The way is perfect like unto vast space with nothing wanting, nothing superfluous. It is indeed due to making choice that its suchness is lost sight of. Pursue not the outer entanglements, dwell not in the inner void. Be serene in the oneness of things, and dualism vanishes by itself. When you strive to gain quiescence by stopping motion. The quiescence thus gained is ever in motion. As long as you tarry in the dualism, how can you realize oneness? And when oneness is not thoroughly understood, in two ways loss is sustained. 
The denying of reality is the asserting of it. And the asserting of emptiness is the denying of it. Wordiness and intellection. The more with them, the further astray we go. Away, therefore, with wordiness and intellection. And there is no place where we cannot pass freely. When we return to the root, we gain the meaning. When we pursue external objects, we lose the reason. The moment we are enlightened within, we go beyond the voidness of a world confronting us. Transformations going on in an empty world which confronts us appear real all because of ignorance. Try not to seek after the true, only cease to cherish opinions. Abide not with dualism. Carefully avoid pursuing it. As soon as you have right and wrong, confusion ensues and mind is lost. The two exist because of the one, but hold not even to this one. When a mind is not disturbed, the ten thousand things offer no offense. No offense offered and no ten thousand things. No disturbance going and no mind set up to work. The subject is quiet when the object ceases. The object ceases when the subject is quieted. The object is an object for the subject. The subject is a subject for the object. Know that the relativity of the two rests ultimately on one emptiness. If one emptiness, the two are not distinguished, and each contains in itself all the ten thousand things, when no discrimination is made between this and that, how can a one-sided and prejudiced view arise? The great way is calm and large-hearted. For it, nothing is easy, nothing is hard. Small views are irresolute. The more in haste, the tardier they go. Clinging is never kept within bounds. It is sure to go the wrong way. Quit it, and things follow their own courses, while the essence neither departs nor abides. Obey the nature of things, and you are in concord with the way, calm and easy and free from annoyance. But when your thoughts are tied, you turn away from the truth. They grow heavier and duller and are not at all sound. When they are not sound, the spirit is troubled. What is the use of being partial and one-sided then? If you want to walk the course of the one vehicle, be not prejudiced against the six sense objects. When you are not prejudiced against the six sense objects, you are the one with the enlightenment. The wise are non-active, while the ignorant bind themselves up. While in the Dharma itself there is no individuation, 
they ignorantly attach themselves to particular objects. It is their own mind that creates illusions. Is this not the greatest of all self-contradictions? The ignorant cherish the idea of rest and unrest. The enlightened have no likes and dislikes. All forms of dualism are contrived by the ignorant themselves. They are like unto visions and flowers in the air. Why would we trouble ourselves to take hold of them? Gain and loss, right and wrong, away with them once and for all. If an eye never falls asleep, all dreams will be all dreams will by themselves cease. If the mind retains its absoluteness, the ten thousand things are of one suchness. When the deep mystery of one suchness is fathomed, all of a sudden we forget eternal entanglements. When the ten thousand things are viewed in their oneness, we return to the origin and remain where we have ever been. Forget the wherefore of things, and we attain to a state beyond analogy. Movement stopped, and there is no movement. Rest set in motion, and there is no rest. When dualism does no more obtain, oneness itself abides not. The ultimate end of things where they cannot go any further, is not bound by rules and measures. In the mind harmonious with the way, we have the principle of identity, in which we find all strivings quieted. Doubts and irresolutions are completely done away with, and the right faith is straightened. There is nothing left behind. There is nothing retained. All is void, lucid, and self-illuminating. There is no exertion, no waste of energy. This is where thinking never attains. This is where the imagination fails to measure. In the higher realm of true suchness, there is neither self nor other. When direct identification is sought, we can only say, not true. In being not two, all is the same, all that is comprehended in it. The wise in the ten quarters, they all enter into this absolute reason. This absolute reason is beyond quickening time and extending space. For it, one instant is ten thousand years, whether we see it or not, it is manifest everywhere in all the ten quarters. Infinitely small things are as large as large things can be, for here no external conditions obtain. Infinitely large things are as small as small things can be, for objective limits are here of no consideration. What is, is the same as what is not. What is not, is the same as what is. 
where this state of things fails to obtain, indeed, no tarrying there. One in all, all in one. If only this is realized, no more worry about your not being perfect. Where mind and each believing mind are not divided, and undivided are each believing mind and mind. This is where words fail, for it is not of the past, present, and future. These are the words of So San Ganchi Zenji. Zen practice is the investigation of that way. Wei, the Chinese character, is the character for Dao in Chinese, for Michi or Do in Japanese, the Wei. And of course, that stands for the highest principle, the principle after which all in this world, in this universe, multiverse, whatever you want to call it, works. It is a principle that is a natural principle, not a contrived idea of the human mind. And as you heard in various statements and expressions, dualism and the separation between self and other that comes out of the identity of a human being are often the hindrance that keeps us from truly being able to make relationship based upon that underlying sameness of all things. No wonder we feel that we have to seek for love, that we have to seek for recognition, friendship, affirmation. Because our mind separates us from the surroundings. But when we let it happen, and it is a facility that we develop by practicing, when we let it happen that our identity becomes superfluous, unnecessary, then we can experience what it means to make true relationship. When we speak about the 10,000 things in Buddhism, in Zen, it stands for everything that exists. It is the state where unification has broken apart and the 10,000 things have come into existence. It is the world that we experience with our human mind, with our six sense organs. Making the relationship to the state and the root of all of that is what this practice is after. One warning, though. When you hear the words, it might, it might be that you come to the conclusion that thinking 
or having subject and object are inherently bad things. But keep in mind that that, again, is a judgment, a preference, a measuring up that is deeply rooted in a two-dimensional way of looking at things. It is a limited judgment that comes out of that human consciousness of good and evil, of me and the other, of subject and object. And of course, in the realm where there is no more identity, where there is no need for opinions, where there is no need for judgment, where there is this true life, the true relationship that pulsates, that makes everything illuminate as one in that experience. No dualistic thoughts apply. When we return into the world of daily lives of, hi, I am Paul. Hi, Paul, nice to meet you. I am Mary. In that world where we need identities, of course, thinking, objectification, and clarity of that cognition is very important. It is what helps us as a society build a more just, a more fair way of living together in that realm. Again, it goes towards the direction of that unification, the direction of truly manifesting and recognizing everything that exists, all 10,000 things, as being of the same as we are. Brothers, sisters, and after the experience of that oneness, we know actually that there is no difference between ourselves and the 10,000 things. Sosan Ganchi Zenji, over a thousand years ago, composed Chinjin Mei. And up to this day, we human beings can learn from it, not just by reading it, but through this practice, learning how to let that highest way play out in suchness and how opinions, identities, judgments, prejudice fall away to naturally later return in a more illuminated way, one step at a time, throughout our practice, rereading Shinjin Mei on believing in mind is a wonderful thing to become aware of the changes of which we as human beings are capable of. Thank you.